0: You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, please take a seat, everyone. Uh, my name is Jimmy Young, and it's my great pleasure to open God's Word with you and for you. I'm just going to pray uh, that God would open our hearts and minds this morning to start. God, would you open our hearts to see you for who you are? Would you open our, our ears to hear the good news? Would you open our minds to understand who you are and what you are like. Spirit, renew us this morning, we pray. Amen. Well, this week I sat down for the first time in a while uh, to watch a movie on television, not on Netflix, not on a streaming service, but on television. And what I was struck by is how many ads there is. Just how many? I forgot. I'd forgotten how many ads there are. And what struck me particularly is that at the heart of every single ad, they are trying to convince you of one single truth. And that is, you are lacking. Either you do not have enough or you are not enough. And the answer really to both of those suggestions is, well, you'll have enough and you'll be enough if you just buy our Product. If you just buy this toothpaste, if you just buy this TV, if you just buy this boat, if you just buy this house, you'll finally be enough. You'll finally have enough. And yet anyone who has bought the toothpaste, who has bought the house, who has bought whatever it is that people are trying to sell will know that that is never enough. It doesn't matter how much you have, we always want more you buy the house and then you have to fill it with furniture and then the furniture gets old so it has to be replaced it's this never-ending cycle of accumulation because we're so fixated on what we lack so fixated on what we don't have we want more and more and more And yet this is not just a modern problem. This is something that afflicted the people of Jesus' time. And so what we see in this story is that Jesus was going around doing the miraculous, doing incredible things, and the crowd wanted to see more and more and more. More miracles, Jesus. We want to see more. But Jesus uh, retreated to a quiet place. This is what it says from, oh, I'll go back one. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd kept following him. Why? Because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick and they wanted more. So Jesus went up to the mountains and sat down there with his disciples. And now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. So what's happening at the moment is that ministry is good. Jesus' ministry is flourishing. The, the news of the kingdom is breaking out. People are being healed. The sick are getting up and walk. And so the crowd wants more and more and more of Jesus. There are more followers of him every single day. And yet what you see in all of the gospels is that Jesus keeps retreating. He keeps going to a quiet place away from the crowd to renew himself, to rejuvenate. There is something about noise that is deadening to the soul. There is something about being surrounded by constant noise, the noise of the crowd that Jesus keeps trying to retreat from. And it's interesting, if you look at the science, that what is true back then is just as true, if not more now. So they have found that the noise of modern life, just existing in our modern world, leads to increase blood pressure, lower heart functioning, less quality of sleep, and increased risk of tinnitus just from the noise that we encounter on a day-to-day level. In fact, a man called Gordon Hempton, he's a sound ecologist. He'd go essentially around the world to find quiet places. And this was was his, uh, his diagnosis, that if he could find a place where for 15 minutes... There was no noise made by man. That's considered a quiet place. And in the whole of the United States, he thinks there might be ten places like that left. We live in a world surrounded by noise. We live in a world that wants more and more and more. And so Jesus knows he wants to retreat, so he retreats, but the crowd follows him the crowd looks where he's going and so jesus has withdrawn to the quiet place there up in the mountains sitting with his disciples getting some time out and the crowd follows when he looked up when jesus looked up he saw a large crowd coming towards him and jesus said to philip where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat and he said this to test him for he himself knew what he was going to do The Gospel of Mark says that Jesus saw the crowd and looked upon them with compassion. Jesus loved the crowd. Jesus knew the crowd. He had compassion on them. Jesus was someone who was never peopled out. Jesus loved the crowd. And because he loved the crowd, he wanted to provide for them. He knew that it's hungry to hear when your stomach is grumbling. There's no kebab shop. On the Sea of Galilee, there's no fish and chippery on the Sea of Tiberias that they can duck in and get some food. So Jesus asked them, where are we going to get some bread? What are we going to do? If you've ever had the experience of someone rocking up at your house unannounced and scrounging through the cupboard trying to put on some kind of spread, looking, hoping that you won't look as disorganized as, you actually all, as we all actually are, this a very similar circumstance, except instead of two people or four people, there's roughly 5,000 people. In some translations, it's translated as 5,000 men, which could indicate even more women and children, up to 10,000 or 15,000. And Jesus is asking his disciples, Well, boys, where are we going to get bread? How are we, how are we going to feed these people? What are, what are we going to do? I love the disciples' response. So Philip answered him and said, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus asked them, where are we going to get bread? And Philip's response is statistics. We don't have enough money. I've done the calculations. I've looked at the spreadsheet. I've looked at the budget. We can't afford to feed 5,000 people, Jesus. Where are we going to get the money? Where are we going to get the denarii? But it wasn't really the question that Jesus asked, is it? Jesus didn't ask, how are we going to pay for all the bread? He didn't ask, do we have enough money for the bread? He simply said, where? Philip is so fixated on what they don't have that he can't even answer the question that Jesus asks. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, well, he he gets a bit closer. He says, Jesus, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? We couldn't feed a hundred people with three rice crackers. What makes you think, Jesus, that you can feed 5,000 people with five small pieces of bread and two loaves of fish? Jesus, what are you going to do? How is this going to... What is this among so many? See, both of their responses reveal something that their view of Jesus was just too low. What are you going to do, Jesus? How are we going to feed so many people with no money and just five barley loaves? They've literally been following the Lord of all creation around, going from place to place. He's He's transformed water into wine. He's healed the sick. He's risen those who are lame, that they can walk again. And they can't see Jesus because they're so fixated on what they don't have. Jesus, we don't have the money and we don't have the bread and we don't have the fish but what do they have? They have Jesus. They miss the most important thing because they're so consumed by what they don't have. Jesus, we don't have the money, we don't have the bread. No, you have the Lord of all creation. They underestimate the wealth they have in Jesus because they just keep looking past Him. And the crazy thing, they're actually primed to think about the miraculous thing that God can do in His provision because what time is it? Passover. Passover. What's Passover? It's when Israel celebrates being rescued out of their slavery to Egypt. Where did God lead them? Into the desert. Now, there was no kebab shops in the desert. There's no fish and chipperies in the desert. So who feeds them? God does. What does he feed them? Bread. Passover should have triggered in their mind that God is our provider. God provides. And yet they're so consumed by what they don't have that they look past Jesus they look past the lord of all creation they just straight up missed him so what does Jesus do he does a miracle anyway <laughs> Jesus says make the people sit down and there was a great deal of grass in the place and they sat down about 5000 in all then Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish as much as they wanted This is kind of working. When they were satisfied... (laughs) Can we go back one, Selvaraj? Thank you. He told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. I'm going to hand it over to Selvaraj, okay? You know, 13. So they gathered them up and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. Next one. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Last one. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And here's the interesting thing, that whenever, whenever uh, people have talked about the feeding of the 5,000, there's a couple of different theories that pop up, because people just can't believe that Jesus could do such a thing, that it's impossible to feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish. It, it doesn't make sense. It's not rational, Jesus. And so there's all these different kinds of theories that you see popping up. And so you see some people say, well, well what must have happened is that the little boy was moved to share his bread and his loaves, and that inspired everybody else who had also brought some food to share it with those who didn't have their food. So everybody got enough. But my favorite theory that I heard is that what had actually happened is that Jesus and his disciples had a secret cave. And in the secret cave, they had a secret stash of secret bread and secret fish. And so what they did is they went down to their secret cave and they brought out their secret bread and their secret fish and that's how they're able to feed so many people. Notwithstanding how on earth you'd keep 5,000 pieces of bread and fish for all these people. That that, that makes no sense to me, right? It's just illogical. But what it reveals is that they just had such a low view of what Jesus can do. It's the same problem the disciples had in the beginning. They look straight Pass the miraculous Lord of all creation to what they lack. Jesus can't do that. Well, he can. That's who he is. Jesus literally feeds 5,000 people with five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish to such an extent that they are filled and there are leftovers. That's who Jesus is is but the question is how's your view of jesus do you have a low view of jesus see when the disciples fixated on what they didn't have they look straight past him what about your week what about the problems that you've encountered in the past seven days when something happens when you get when you get overwhelmed when you get frustrated when you get angry when you get sad what happens next, do you look straight past him too? Do you look straight past what he has to offer us? Do you fixate on what you don't have? See, I think one of the interesting things about this story is that it specifies what kind of bread the boy has. It's five barley loaves, And it doesn't mean much to us now, uh, but to an Israelite, that would be quite meaningful because barley was the bread of the poor. Barley was the bread of those who didn't have much. Barley, in fact, was used as a sacrifice and was sometimes called the sacrifice of the beasts. It was a nothing bread. I think the point is to show you what can be done with nothing. The boy had almost nothing to hand Jesus. The poorest bread, the least quality of bread, the lowest quality of bread, and yet Jesus filled, filled it. He, he fed 5,000 people so that everyone had their full. That's what he can do with nothing when we trust him. So often, we think that what God requires of us is our strength. He requires our best. He requires our hardest, best work. But actually, what we see time and time again is that what God wants is all of us, both our strengths and our weaknesses, both our gifts and our limitations, both our abundance and our lack. He wants us to trust Him with all of it. Because even if we have nothing, If we have Jesus, we have everything we need. There is no lack in Him. But so often we look past our abundance in Jesus to the lack of what we have. See, actually, I think the task of us is to be like the little boy. All he has is five pieces of nothing bread and two little pieces of fish. And yet he says, here you go, Jesus. Here you go. Do with what you will. Right? That's our task. And I want you to think this past week. Have there been moments where you felt overwhelmed, when you felt you can't do this? I think like... That is an everyday situation for our family at the moment. We've got teething going on, we've got sleep regressions going on, right? Every single morning I wake up with less sleep than I want and the first thought that comes into my head is, I can't do this. I I, I don't have the energy, I don't have the patience, I don't have whatever I should need, I don't have. And I wonder if you've had a similar thought this week. It might not be when you wake up, but it might be when you get to work. It might be when you're interacting with your spouse or your loved one. It might be when you're parenting your kids. It might be something has happened in your week and your thought is, I can't do this. I don't have the strength. I don't have the patience. I don't have whatever I need. And the question is, what happens next after you have that thought? After you have that thought, I don't have enough. What happens next? What happens next? Because it's not bad to have the thought it's what happens next that matters you, you might have heard uh, a saying that often gets passed around the church and it's simply this it says uh, god helps those who help him themselves you, you might have heard something like that do you know who came up with that i think satan came up with that right because that is a lie god if, if god is waiting to help you until you can help yourself then no one's getting helped right no one's going to be helped because all of us have a lack. Because our lack is not in our, our abundance; is not in ourselves. It's in Jesus. There's this quote by John Owen that I love. You can get on the, the next one on the screen. It says this: the duties that God requires, is what God wants us to do, is not proportioned to what strength we have in ourselves. It's not about what we have, but to what help and relief is laid up for us in Jesus. And we are to address ourselves to the greatest performance with a settled persuasion that we have not the ability in the least. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who can't be helped, which is all of us. All of us need Him. And the problem is that when we fixate on what we don't have, all it brings is a desire for more. In fact, if we fixate on what we don't have, we'll constantly be looking for more and we'll never have enough. When we fixate on Jesus, we have enough. He is enough. He's enough. So where are you looking? When you feel overwhelmed, where do you look? Where do you turn? Because the interesting thing about the feeding of the 5,000 is that I don't think the miracle is actually about the miracle. The point isn't to show everyone Jesus can feed 5,000 people. It's actually to point to something greater because as the kids find out, found out this morning, even if all the people were filled, their stomachs were filled until they couldn't eat anymore, what happens tomorrow? Well, they go back to Jesus for more food. Do it again, Jesus! That's what we read. So in uh, verse 34 and 35, They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. They want Jesus as their own personal bread dispenser. What does Jesus say? I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The point of the miracle is not the miracle. The point is to point to Jesus. He's the one they're searching for. And I wonder if in our lack, we keep missing Jesus. We keep missing what he has to offer us. We keep missing the abundance that he has for us because we keep looking past him to what we lack. So, what you, what you see in the rest of the story is that Jesus keeps making increasingly provocative statements until the crowd one by one leaves. His followers one by one leave until he's left with the twelve disciples. And Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. So the disciples stuffed it up the first time. They looked past Jesus. But when the crowd left, when everyone else walked away, when there was no fame, when there's no power, everyone else has gone and Jesus says, are you going to go too? They say, where else will we go? Where else will we turn but you, Jesus? So this week, where are you going to turn? When you get overwhelmed, where will you turn? When you get frustrated, where are you going to turn? When you wake up in the morning and say, I don't have enough, where are you going to turn? And my prayer is that you find that Jesus is enough. That Jesus has the words of eternal life. And in him we will not hunger and we will not thirst. For he is enough for us. Let me pray. Jesus, you are enough. So often we come to you with a list of all the things that are lacking in our life. So often we come to you with what we don't have, what we need fixed, what we need changed, but rarely do we come and say, Jesus, you are enough. You are all we need. God, would you show us the areas of our life in which we're fixated on what we do not have? Reveal it to us. Show it to us. Uncover it. Make it clear to our eyes. Bring others who would point it out in our hearts. But God, don't just leave us there. Point us to the one who is always enough. Point us to the one who created all that is and was and will be. Point us to the one who created everything that we see and encounter. Point us to Jesus. May he be enough for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.